Welcome to another edition of Bound for Justice. I'm Charlotte Wilson. I'm Rachel Rosman. And I'm Sharissa Foley. Good evening, ladies. It's uh, always lovely to to be with you again to uh, explore another book about race reconciliation and um, all of the things around social justice that are happening um, in the United States today. How's everybody doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? Good. I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. It's um, It was a lovely weekend uh, here in Ohio. A little rainy, but um, I think my, my plants are happy for that, so can't complain. Speaking of plants, this week uh, I have discovered that I have some tiny, tiny tomatoes growing on my plant, and I'm so excited that I'm actually growing something that I might be able to eat at some point. Aww. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> All my plants are living. So I think that's a huge accomplishment. In so I'm con- enjoying it. Good. I killed an aloe plant last week. So in contrast, no, I can't keep anything alive. T- tell me, how did you do it? I have an aloe plant and I feel like if I'm not careful, I might drown it or something. I, I've just loved too much. I put it outside because I thought that they grow in arid places. And so I was like, oh man, he's going to love this. I'm going to put him out in the sun and like immediately turned brown and withered and died. So I just slowly pulled him back in. And now I think it might be coming back a little bit or I don't know. I keep, I keep watching, like I'm not ready to give up yet. Um, So you referred to your plant as a he, do you give your plants genders? Yeah, sometimes. But, but it's not always male or female. Like it, it goes back and forth based on how I feel about the plant. Since oh. I killed this one, it's a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my this goodness. One, this one didn't really stick around. It was a, it was a poor relationship. Um, <laughs> That's too funny. I think they're on social media. They have like Columbus, Columbus black owned businesses site where you can kind of go through and see different black owned businesses that could use support. And there's a plant place and I really want to go to it because they keep showing pictures and it seems. Yes. Have you seen it? Yes. It's I like really the want yellow, really cool. Yellow apple or something. Yes. And yeah. it's right across from the upper cup, which is another black owned business that I love. At least I believe it is based on my terrible understanding of directions, but it seemed like they were close. Well, maybe that's a little field trip for us to go check out the yellow apple. Yeah, we could all carpool in Rachel's new car. <gasps> what, Rachel? Do you have news? I do. I got a new car. Um, and it's yay! Woo-hoo! It was great. I I was really nervous, but I also am constantly in a bad situation with my previous car where it always needs work. Um and it had some strut issues, so it squeaked. So it was like a little haunted house driving down the street. Like it like it's, it squeaked and made noise. And like I wasn't sneaking up on anybody ever. Not that I would want to, but um, <laughs> when I would go to somebody's house, I'd be like, hey, I'm down your street. They're like, yeah, we know. We can hear you coming. <laughs> um, so now I have a car that is completely silent when I drive it. It's amazing. And we can and there's room for people. I can put you in the back. We can drive around. It's orange, which fits my personality. So it was funny because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be such an amazing driver now. Like thinking that it was the car that was the issue the whole time. So then I was driving yesterday and I was like, 
my my left eye still seems a little bit bad. Once I have my surgery for my cataracts, I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to be an amazing driver. This is going to be so great. So August, man, you're, gonna, you're, you're getting gonna, there. Yeah, you're not even going to recognize me. So this week we're reading, we're talking again about the uh, stamped racism, anti-racism in you. We're, we're going to kind of continue talking about that because we had a lot going on um, that we wanted to talk about last week. And I, I feel like that's the case this week as well. All right. Another part of the book, of uh, the uh, Jason Reynolds mentioned that Richard Nixon would often demean black people in his speeches by not saying black or white, but using words like urban and ghetto. Um, and then I believe even Reagan used like the whole welfare queen scenario, which g- gave a different visual in people's mind that typically was related to African-American um, individuals. And it seems like people aren't seeing through that. They've kind of been okay with sticking with those um, stereotypes. And did you notice that? Have you seen that lately in life or heard different things lately where you're like, oh, I see what they're doing now? I, I think that's always happened. Um, so to me, I don't know that it's really anything new. I guess the one thing I, I, f- I feel like or I hope is happening um, is that some people are starting to wake up to that and they're understanding those the negative connotation that people are connecting with things that, you know, Rachel, I know um, when we did one of our very first podcasts about um, white fragility, we talked about the conversation that um, the author had with a friend who talked about being in a bad neighborhood, right? And, you know, her kind of challenging her friend on what do you mean by a bad neighborhood? Do you mean a black neighborhood? Um, so I think a lot of times some of that stuff is just so unconscious. And I think as more and more Americans start to wake up to the, uh, the very unconscious things that um, they have not been paying attention to, I think it'll be a lot harder to do that. And the truth of the matter is the folks who still do it today, and we know there are many of them, we hear it and we see it all the time on the news and the, the, you know, the news shows, um, they know what they're doing. And the people who hear it, who are okay with it, I think also know what they're doing. Um, so I don't know who they think they're fooling, but I, I, I think a lot of people are, are catching on. I, I and, feel like there's still a, I feel like there's still a good amount of people who are oblivious to it. And I think that one of the reasons why they are is because when those certain terms are being used, it's in the context of somebody other than the norm or other than white. So if you're not one of those others, then you may not recognize that they're calling those other people out. Um, if they're instigating toward you, then you end up picking up on that a lot more than you would if you weren't one of those others, if that makes sense. So I think there's a lot of people who are just oblivious to it because it's not talking about them per se. And so they don't have to mm. think about it. Um, I think there's, there's, I think there's, just with what I've seen on some of my social media, um, I think there's a lot of people who just are still oblivious to it. I'm hoping that more of us get to the point where we call it out and we see it like some, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to bring it up, but the whole like, Oh, um, 
Kung flu. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's such, that's so yeah. derogatory to a whole entire race of people. And you're using that term and it's hurting a whole, a whole society of people that they don't deserve that. And so that's a current example of that being used. Um, and if you are not a, a minority, you may not pick up on that if you're not paying attention. Okay. You brought up the social media thing, Sharissa. Um, have you been getting people, have you been, now that you're doing a podcast, I have been getting people sending me all kinds of things um, that are kind of in contradiction to basically everything we discuss on the podcast as if they're trying to prove me wrong. And so like the Candace Owens um, video got sent to me. Somebody else sent a thing about um, two black women arguing about how the Democrats are the the party of um, that are against black people, and the Republicans are the party that are for black people throughout history. And and um, it's almost like I'm getting all this extra information now because people are trying to prove me wrong about everything or prove my um, my views wrong. No, I've gotten a, a bunch of stuff, and some of it is even like the person wasn't even really in. There was a. Um, Another example is Serena Williams had made a statement and it was like, I'm tired of black versus white. I'm tired of you know Christian versus atheist. And it, it goes through all this stuff and, you know, I'm just tired and, and one person can't, one person's actions can't define the um, actions of all. And so it could have been used for both sides of the fence, really. Like it could be like, yes, you know, the police shouldn't be judged based on the actions of a few, or it could have been, Black people can't be judged based on the actions of a few. And so I think that people kind of are able to flip words to make it whatever they want it to be. But I have gotten a lot of this stuff sent to me. I would, at least I would say a significant amount sent to me or, you know, thrown at me in a discussion for me to try to argue. Um, Have you guys gotten that or is that just me? So I have not had people sending me things to uh, persuade me in, in a different uh, viewpoint. I have seen some of the videos posted, you know, such as the Candace Owens video. When I see stuff like that, it makes me think that the people who are posting it are saying, see, here's this black person that agrees with me. And because this one black person agrees with me, then I'm not responsible and I'm off the hook for having to do any kind of hard work or dig deeper about where maybe I should maybe rethink some things. I think it's kind of a cop out and it's kind of the easy way out rather than facing the fact that there could be some parts of my thinking or things that I uh, currently believe that maybe I should I don't have to, I don't have to rethink that because, oh, here's this one black person and they're my, they're kind of my way mm-hmm. out of having to do any hard work. The, uh, the other thing that I think of when I see those kinds of videos posted, um, people tend to take things to the political and to me, the, the racial and social justice is not about politics at all. It's about human beings. And so when somebody is taking it political, I, I tend to think they're not in the, 
right headspace for me to have a constructive conversation with them, especially not over social media. I don't think it's going to get me anywhere. It's just going to make me frustrated and probably them too. And so I just tend to kind of just let that be. And, and it's just interesting to me how you'll have these one or two uh, black voices that for some reason seem to speak for the whole entire, all of black people. Um, but what people fail to do is realize that that's like a very singular viewpoint and, and you can't ignore the countless experts and people who have devoted their entire lives to Mm -hmm. studying and researching this stuff. You have one person with one opinion. And so you want to grab onto that because they are, they are, um, uh, what's the word I want? They're validating your viewpoint And so since you're validated, you're done. You don't have to do anything else. And so that's just kind of my two cents on the whole thing. So what about you, um, two additional thoughts on that. Um, Number one, I think regardless of the topic, we should all be very, very wary of the videos that we see posted um, on any social media. Videos can be manipulated. There are such things as deep fakes. We've seen that with some some videos recently. Um, there is some really great editors out there that can make people say look like they're saying something that may not have been the true intent of their words. And I've seen a few of those videos where I'm like, mm, I'm not so sure that that's what that person meant. You're taking their viewpoint out of context and splicing it in with some other things to make it tell a certain story. It's very deceptive. So I think we should all be really, really careful and think twice about the quality of the content that we're consuming to make sure that we're we're reading it from verified, trusted sources. And also consider the um, kind of back to your point. What what's your what's the motivation? What's the motivation of that person, and why are they saying what they're saying? Um, finally, I I saw I don't and I don't even remember where it was, but it was basically a comment or a quote from somebody that said, "Oh." So you're interested in, in hearing from a celebrity or somebody who's supposedly an authority and you think that their opinion is far more valuable than the person sitting right next to you who happens to also be a black person who can share with you their personal experience. You're not willing to listen to that, but you'll listen to this other person over here. You actually know me. How about you talk to me? So, you know, that's that's the other thought, too. And again, I think that goes back to your, your point, Sharice, about just listening to what um, validates the sort of the mindset or the viewpoint that you want to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I don't want to be devil's advocate here, but I often will send out things that are only my viewpoint <laughs> to people. Um, so I always kind of try to look at it that way. Like, am I like, just because I feel like my, my ideas are the right ones or like the, the ones that are for equality. Does that necessarily make me is that making me that? Well, person I think also? we should all be wary of anything that puts us in a in a binary situation. You're good or you're bad and I'm good because we know. And that's one of the first lessons we learn from white fragil- fragility is that one of the the sort of the stumbling blocks or the the um, the tricks with the whole idea of white supremacy or racism is that there's this good bad binary that if you hold racist thoughts or ideas or you're participating in a white supremacist society that you're immediately a bad person well no your actions or your thoughts may be racist or white supremacist and you need to be aware of that and change that that doesn't change who you are as a person at your core so i think that's the one thing too i mean and then back to your point Sharice, about 
this is about being human. It's not a political situation. This is a this is about treating people right and just being human to one another. Um, and I think if we all kind of live on that plane and remember that we're all humans, um, we're all connected. Um, I think it helps to maybe move a little bit further away from that um, sort of that polarization that um, I think we're, <laughs> we're seeing so much of. It's so hard, you know. It's like how do you have a good conversation when we have um, such polarizing statements out there. Yeah, I um, I've had some conversations uh, lately with friends, and one of the things that came up is, you know, if you uh, that we were all kind of sharing some of our experiences with social media and and people who have different uh, viewpoints than we do, and the idea or the thought was discussed about, well, they're just completely ignorant. I'm just going to like block them or I'm going to like, just, I'm not engaging with them anymore. And I, I get where that's coming from, but at the same time, if you block everybody who doesn't agree with you, then one, um, your, your, your feed's going to be just all about you. And that doesn't give you an opportunity to grow. And two, you may not be able to share your viewpoint with other people who may grow and learn from you. So it's like, it's like a give and take kind of a thing. And, um, it, it, it's hard because it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person just posted this. Why are they even in my newsfeed? But at the same time, it's like, if, if you block that person, then they'll never be exposed to maybe a different viewpoint either. And on those days where you so. mentally can't just, you can't take it, just, just keep on scrolling. <laughs> just keep on going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I just unfollow people so that I don't have to see their ignorant stuff, but they are still able to see all of the beautiful things that I have posted on my timeline, which I think is the key. So yes. let, it, let people know. But I always call it knowing the enemy when I when I don't like when I don't block people because I'm like, you know, I don't I don't think they have anything worth me seeing, but I at least want to know what other people are saying. Like I want to know the argument of the other side. That way I have material to back up. So when you say enemy, who do you think is the enemy? I would say 75% of the people in my family that I'm. But when you say who, what do you mean? um, Are you honestly, it's, I guess what I'm like, somebody who is constantly going to argue, like when I say the enemy, like anybody who is going to bring up some, I can't think of like any, statistic that's going to be like what somebody that's going to bring up black on black crime is going to be somebody that I view as the enemy, not necessarily they're an enemy, but they're going to give me information that I'm going to have to have data to back up my opinion for. So if somebody's going to throw crap data at me, I feel like I have to be prepared with my own data to be like, Oh, actually you're wrong in that, in that information with that information. And here's why. So is it fair not that it's going to help them? But is it fair to say, and I guess this is what I'm getting at. It was kind of a trick question, Rachel. Maybe that wasn't fair. Is it the is it the person nah, okay. or is I it the idea? It from, I expected it from you. <laughs> is it the person or is it the idea? You know, um, and I think that's where sometimes it gets really hard it's because when one person is constantly challenging what you think is right, and I'm not even saying that I, I'm not saying that I'm always right, but when when all I want to do is not have other people treated as less than, and somebody is trying to present data to me that gives them an excuse to do that. It's really, it's, it gets to be kind of a gray area 
on, is it their idea or is it who they are as a person? Like when you're going to, if that's the hill that you want to die on, explaining to me that, you know, maybe they should have followed the rules and then they wouldn't have ended up dead. When that's not really the job of the police to be like, you know, judge, jury, executioner. But like, that's the hill you want to die on. Now it's a little bit of a gray area because you've, you've devoted so much of your attention to making it seem like someone is better than or, or worse. So maybe it's the difference between people who are truly struggling and want to see peace, but, but are, but have, have some thoughts and ideas in their head that don't really line up. And they're like, yeah, but I have a problem with this, but they're actually on their path or on their journey versus people who are just resisting and have zero interest in seeing another viewpoint. I guess we all kind of talked about it the other day, maybe last week, where we have different people that come up on our, like people that you are going to see at, say, family reunions or gatherings who just have these crazy views. And you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to get in on this right now because I don't know that they're ever going to see my point of view, but then I don't feel like I can really just let this go either. And so you it's kind of hard sometimes to separate out the idea. From it the can person. be hard. Maybe. Yeah. I think a lot of times because um, we care so deeply about people as well that when they have a viewpoint that kind of stings, it, it it's kind of hurtful. And so it is hard to be like, like feeling so let down by that person. But at the same time, it's like they have never shown me any negative, whatever. They've always been kind and loving toward me. And so maybe that's just where they are. And yeah, it kind of sucks and it kind of hurts, but maybe there's something that I can help them with in this, in this situation. I don't know. And then sometimes you just might have to resign to the fact that it just is what it is. I'm going to love you as a person, even if you maybe have a lot of growing to yeah. do, but I'm going to love you. And it's okay to just separate yourself. And like you said, Rachel, maybe just unfollow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay too. I actually had a, um, friend text me earlier this week and she, she texted me. She was, um, she said, I've got somebody who's arguing, who's arguing that all lives matter with me. Is there anything that you can give me really quickly that I can use as an argument? And so I kind of texted back some stuff and was like, here, try this, try this. Um, then she texted back. She said, well, I just went ahead and I put down some of the information that you gave me. And then I just unfollowed the person or blocked them. And I said, well, at least you planted that seed. Like they might not have been ready to hear it, but you sent that information out there. You gave it to them. Maybe they'll consider it later. So I think that's, I have to be more accepting of that idea too, that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you just planted a seed and it's not really, they're not ready for it, but it'll be there later. All right. I just, I know we were kind of needing to get to taking action and in the news, But one of the parts of the book, and I think we can just kind of throw this out there to reflect on, is in Stamp, they talk about how things would be going well, or there'd be like a black power movement or um, like black pride. And then a movie or a book or something would come out like Planet of the Apes to really sort of kind of be detrimental to that to that movement. Um, I have never seen Planet of the Apes, and I never made the connection until I read this book to like, oh, I see what I see what they were trying to do. I didn't realize that. But I think that 
it really made me in the book reflect on what am I seeing now in the media or what movies or songs or books could be coming out that are trying to do this exact same thing now. And I just need to really open my eyes to it or be aware of it. So I think that um, just something for us to consider in general is to really dissect what we're getting from the media. If something makes us feel a certain way immediately or gives us kind of an underlying ick feeling, we need to really kind of reflect on that and consider it and, and see if we're kind of playing into somebody else's game, maybe. So I don't know if you guys had any vibes that you got from or when you read it, were you like, oh, gosh, or did you kind of feel that way all along? Um, when I read that part of the book, I it was completely oblivious to me like that. I, I did not make that connection at all. Um, I have I did grow up watching Planet of the Apes um, and had fond memories of it as, you know, good entertainment. Um, but I never connected those dots. And so when I was reading the book, I thought, huh, that's interesting. But I didn't like dig deeper into that, that concept just to, to think about it. I didn't dig, I didn't think deeper about it. Um, but I do think that it is important to be aware of what the media is feeding us and what we are consuming. And, um, you know, it definitely has an effect, whether it's positive or negative or, um, and that, that goes for just about anything, but in today's climate, it's, I think it's, uh, doubly necessary to, to be cognizant and be aware. Well stated. I have nothing to add to those, those responses. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, I'm going to move into taking action for the week. Sure. Okay. Sure. I I will um, jump in on taking action. So, um, Rachel Cargill, I think both of you may be familiar with her. Um, She's an activist and she has a lot of content um, available out there, but she has a particular course. It's a free 30 day course called Do the Work. And, um, you can sign up, we'll put the link in the show notes so you can sign up and, um, there's, uh, 30 days of things that you can do. It's really simple. It's, uh, really easy to do. It's just a, like each day there's like a little paragraph or a little, um, uh, article that you'll read. And then it'll give you like some action to, to take that goes along with that particular theme. Um, and so I've actually started doing this with uh, a couple of girlfriends of mine and we did the first 10 days and then we met to talk about like what we're learning, how we're feeling. Um, and so I think it's a really great way to the, the curriculum's already all put together. It's really quick and easy and you could meet at a coffee shop with a couple of friends and just talk through some of the things that, uh, that stuck out to you. Um, so I've been enjoying it. It spurred some really good conversation. Um, the other, the, there's three other ladies that joined me. Um, they're all white and they are, uh, some of the things that we're sharing and learning from each other has been really awesome. And I think that just sitting down and having one-on-one conversations with people is there's so, there's such value in that. Um, and I think if we all do that in little in our little world where we, where we live and, and, and breathe and grow, I think that the world would be a much better place if we just take a moment to just sit down and reflect with each other. A friend of mine sent me 
uh, a link to the 21 day racial equity challenge through the YWCA in Dayton, I believe, which I guess they also do it in Cleveland. And it gives you different things to do. It sends you a little email every day and it gives you something different to do. And it's broken down into different timeframes. If you have 10 minutes, do this. If you have 20 minutes, you know, read this or listen to this. And it's been really great. Um, I flipped through it. Like some of the podcasts I haven't listened to yet, but I have, now that I have my new car, I've got some real Mm -hmm. podcast listening plans. (laughs) Um, But one thing that I, that really stuck out to me with one of the challenges and I thought I really need to make more of an effort to do this is that it says, make sure that you're not just sharing these stories of um, like the black community being in crisis or the black community needing assistance and make sure that like when you're sharing stories with, with your kids, I mean, especially as, as somebody who is white, make sure that my child's seeing really good success stories and positive black influences, positive black role models, because we don't want to give this, idea or this concept that it's this group that needs help all the time. Like there are injustices being done, but they need to see that this is also a very strong and positive and influential group. And I thought, wow, I'm really probably bad at that because I am that person that's like, we can't let this happen. We've got to, you know, we've got to fight this. We've got to fight this. But I don't know how much how many times I've really sat her down and been like, Hey, look at this, watch this movie about this really great person or this person that made this huge impact or, or this movie about, or watch the show with these regular black people just living their lives. I think it is always in that racial or that social justice mindset, which is actually doing a a disservice to my child thinking that it's this group that always needs somebody to help or is always kind of, um, in, in need of assistance or not even in need of assistance. I guess I'm wording it wrong, but it almost was like, I'm doing this white savior stuff right now that I've been fighting this whole time. And it, it was some, at first, not the first, it was the first time lately that I've really been like, Oh, I've really been doing a disservice. And so I really appreciated that. It made me. So what do you think you'll do differently again. now that you've kind of had that um, that opportunity to reflect and um, your eyes have been opened to maybe some things that you could do differently. What do you think is next? I think just trying to show her regular life or just not like making sure that she knows about equality and racial equality and that there are injustices being done, but also just showing these, like I want to show her more positive black influences that, don't have to do with this social justice, like social justice aspect. Like these are inventors that were black. These are, you know, these are people who have been, you know, leaders in their field that are also black, like, but without having to say they're black, just showing her people who are black doing their normal life stuff and just being amazing, intelligent people without bringing the blackness into it, maybe just letting it be recognized. I don't, does that make sense? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of something that um, Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries mentioned when we went to go um, hear him speak. And he was talking about um, exposing your kids to other cultures. And, you know, he was taught, he had the um, example of taking your kids to play at a playground that is not in your neighborhood and is in a, a different neighborhood. And so, 
what you're saying kind of reminded me of, of that. And if we just expose our kids to all cultures that are just normal people living in their neighborhoods, going to work every day, going to school every day, everybody has challenges, you know, it's just being human. And if you expose your kids to a variety of different cultures, um, they can just see normal life lived out through different people of color. My fear with my daughter is that I want her to really take notice of when um, injustice is being done, but I don't know that I've made a clear way for her to understand that you don't take pity on somebody. I always hate it when somebody takes pity on another person because it makes them seem like they feel like that's less of a person. And I, I, I feel like compassion is one thing, but pity is, is totally, totally different. And I, I've been struggling with walking the line of having my daughter see that everyone is equal to her, but people still need to look out for injustice. And so I haven't exposed her to enough of the really positive um, black role models and black leaders to where she sees all of this rather than seeing kind of the ways that people have been wronged. And I need to, this racial equity challenge really made me um, reflect and recognize that in myself and in my parenting. So in the news, do we have anything good? Well, I mean, anything to report, I guess. (laughs) Doesn't have to well, be we've had a few statues here in Columbus, Ohio, that have come down of our our, our beloved um, namesake, Christopher Columbus. Um, I think we've had what two that have come down so far. One, and there's one, the main yes. one um, at City Hall, still standing, but the mayor has given orders that it should be removed. So I'm not going to lie, you guys. When I saw that happening, especially the one at City Hall. Because that's the one that I've always been like, oh, my gosh, like, seriously, folks. Um, it was almost like, surreal to me. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what's happening? This is actually going to be a thing that's really going to happen. Um, and it just, I don't know, for whatever reason, the statue removals that we've seen has just, it's its pretty amazing. So that, I, I'm still TBD to see when that, that final statue comes down. Okay, so we are going to be reviewing How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, And so the book is not very long, um, maybe about 300 pages max. Um, So if you'd like to join us in reading the next book, um, How to Be an Anti-Racist, pick it up wherever it may be in stock or not. Get the ebook. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining us today. It was lovely chatting with both of you. I'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.